Welcome on in to the 60-yard line. Um, I think this is episode, oh shit, I think it's the 16. Uh, I'm all by myself today. Clifford is down in beautiful, uh, what was it, Myrtle Beach, doing some sort of uh, county training or some shit. Uh, first recap of the weekend. Uh, we went, oh, I know I won my best bet. I took Indy Moneyline. That one hit. Uh, Clifford, unfortunately, took Seahawks and the points, which I think he took them at two and a half? No. No, he took him at one and a half. So yeah, he missed that one. Bummer, bad beat. Um, well, actually, not really a bad beat. If you had Cowboys, it was a terrible beat. But uh, yeah, I'm just gonna get in, just recap these four games. Maybe do a little bit of look ahead. Uh, probably be a little bit shorter one because it's kind of hard to monologue. And yeah, so first let's get into that Colts win, twenty-one to seven over the Texans. Edge luck was awesome. Uh, I mean, the first half it seemed like they were gonna score a bajillion points. They kind of slowed down there in the second half. I think they had uh, difficulties converting all those third downs because they were amazing on third down early in the game. Um, the, the you know just looking at this team, I mean, this was a severe beatdown. I don't have many stats on this one just because it was just. I mean, it never seemed like the Texans were coming back after halftime. Um, you know, Chris Ballard for me though is definitely executive of the year. I talked about this last week. That offensive line. Is so incredibly good. Ryan Kelly and Earl Gray, aka well, not aka. He is his name. His name is Quentin Nelson, aka Earl Gray, because he teabags dudes. Is just a monster. He was destroying Jadavion Clowney. He had a pancake. That line keeps Andrew Luck so clean, and it's just it's just fucking ridiculous. I mean, this this Texas defensive line is supposed to be one of the best in the league. You know, getting tons of sacks, tons of pressures, and they couldn't do jack shit in this game because that the offensive line is insane, and you know, I, I really feel like this is a big a big thing out to all these teams with high paid quarterbacks. You know, look at the Packers. Look at oh, I don't know. Look at the uh, the Raiders. You know, you you need a good offensive line to protect your your high paid signal callers to be any type of reliable team, and that's really what makes a lot of your offense go. You can't you can't run deep routes or have effective play calling if you don't have the amount of time you need to execute plays. But um, so the Colts are awesome. I'm really excited about them. It'd be awesome to see them make it all the AFC Championship game. We'll see. But um, looking at the Texans, Deshaun, who I'm a huge fan of, it definitely seemed like he just had the yips in this game. Um, you know, he was just missing guys. He was having a hard time against that cover, two that the Colts run. He just couldn't fit in the tight windows. And DeAndre seemed hurt, and Kiki Kuti was – I mean, he played well, but you, I just think Kiki wasn't full speed either. Um, I don't really know what you do about Bill uh, – I always call him Butchin. I can't remember his last name anymore. Bill O'Brien. I don't really know what you do with him. I think you keep him. He kind of won that power struggle against Rick uh, Rick Smith last year. Rick had to retire because his wife got sick. But the big thing is the Texans, you know, this was kind of their year because they kind of had that magical run. They had a good season. They looked like they could do some things. But, I mean, their offensive line is just got off. I mean, Deshaun had no time back there. And now Jadavion's going to be a free agent. They probably won't be able to sign him back. And their secondary is really old and, you know, got the shit kicked out by T.Y. Hilton again. So they need to redo that. And, I mean, it's it's hard to find pass rushers. It's hard to find good secondary guys. They don't come around all the time. It's hard to find tackles. You know, those are all very expensive money positions in the league in that you're not just going to be able to go cherry pick from other teams or just magically hit on in the draft. It's kind of hard to do. So, you know, it's less, very concerning there. You know, I could definitely see the Texans kind of slipping back next year, especially if the Colts keep on building on this momentum and if the Titans manage to do anything. So it's just kind of interesting to see what's going to happen next year. Uh, anything else from this game, though, it's just 
it kind of sucks because we f- I felt like there was gonna be no boring games this weekend. This one kind of trying to be pretty boring, which was a bummer. Um, but I mean, the Colts, man, they're just terrifying. And Matt Eberflus has been just an incredibly lucky hire for that team. And Frank Reich has been he brought that third down magic that the Eagles had last year. He brought it to Indy, and they as long as they're picking up third downs, they yeah, I mean, they, they that offense is just really hard to beat. Uh, moving on though, Cowboys hamstrings to Seahawks twenty four to twenty two. Kickers. <laughs> There's a couple of games with kicker issues in, in this week. Uh, my God, Seabass. That guy looks like a 55-year-old man. He's got off the couch from smoking a cigarette and eating a bunch of chicken wings. I always wonder if he just like pretended like he hurt his hamstring because he missed that kick. And he's like, yeah, I'm just sort of done now. Because, <laughs> I mean, he looked like me after I get off the couch too fast. So <laughs> it, was, it was concerning. And, I mean, that almost in a way kind of like lost them the game in a weird way. I mean, th- I mean if he makes that kick, for one. And two, I mean, they basically were without a kicker. They had to go for two every time. They, they they had to go for fourth downs. They couldn't kick. It was very strange. You know, it's kind of weird to see that in a in a playoff game like that. But um, Seahawks, man, Brian Schottenheimer. I mean, they ran the ball a fuck ton right into that defense that is so nasty and has such great linebackers. And they couldn't get shit going. You know, they had a couple good runs with Rashad Penny. Then he had a negative run. Then they pulled him out. And, you know, that's the Seahawks' identity. It's not like they haven't been doing this all year. This is what they do. And I think people who haven't been paying attention are going, oh, why are they running so much? And, like, I, I even was saying that, too. But, you know, this is how they won their games. This is how they went 10-6 this year is they run the ball. They control the clock. But the problem is Dallas had the ball for th- 34 minutes, 50 seconds. So, basically, 35 minutes, which, you know, that extra five minutes, you know, it's a 10-minute swing. You know, that means the Seattle only had the ball for about 25 minutes. And it's hard for them to run their game plan like that. You know, you they, their their defense isn't elite like it used to be. And same with Dallas's. Dallas's defense is good. It's not elite at every position, but having that ball control and running Zeke and Zeke had a, you know they had the team as a team they had 164 rushing yards, which just kind of will you know grind a team into dust. And holding the ball that long makes your keeps your defense fresh. You know, allows those pass rushers to really get after it. And against a Good, but not like great or incredible offensive line that the Seahawks have now. You know they, that really good pass rush that the, the ah, that the Cowboys had was able to get after it, and that was really the difference in this game was just was just ball control. I mean, you know, should the Seahawks probably open up a pass more? Yes, but that's just that wasn't their offense. That's not what they do. You know, they were averaging eight point four yards per pass, which is pretty damn good. Anything over seven means you're doing well. You know, could they have done that? Yeah, that's just not their team's identity. And then we start getting away from things. And I know it's a playoff game and the season on the line, but, you know, I, I'm not going to beat up Brian Schottenheimer. This is how Pete Carroll wants to run this team. This is what he wants to do. It does seem a little bit ridiculous that they have, you know, Russell Wilson, who's an incredible quarterback, running this offense. And I mean, I, just imagine if they ran the Rams or Chiefs offensive system. I mean, this team could be terrifying. And I think they should do that. But I'm just saying, you know, Pete Carroll and John Schneider designed this team to run this way. You know, so it is what it is. It's not the best way to do things, but that's how they won their 10 games. That they, they, they did what the Dallas does. They play ball control. They keep the, keep the ball away. They grind you down. They keep their defense off the field, and they play efficient football. And, you know, both these teams had perfect goal-to-goal efficiency. Uh, every single time they had goal-to-goal, they, they got in. So it's just kind of how these teams are built. Uh, but Seahawks looking in the offseason. They really need to keep their own line. You know, they need to make it. I think if they really have, like, and like a Saints all line, like this team could be really, really terrifying. And I think, you know, Pete Carroll and, you know, Schottenheimer and John Schneider might have to look at the tape and say, you know, 
yeah, we can beat up the crappier teams and sometimes win a few and if we play perfect, but if we have anything go wrong, you know, it's hard for you to win with this style of football. I think this is kind of interesting. Uh, one of the big matchups in this game, Zeke versus Bobby Wagner, it seemed like Zeke kind of won. You know, he, he would just start grinding his team down and, you know, Wagner, I mean, he's still an incredible linebacker. It's not like he got beat up every time, but that was interesting to watch. And then uh, Dak doing the read option in the red zone. You know, I think I've preached about this before where it's something that they need to do, especially if they want to win these games. And they did it. You know, that big Zach, that big Dak run to get them right down to the goal line was, I mean, that's what that dude can do. You know, and he finally hooked up with Michael Gallup in this game, which is a connection that they've been missing all year long. And that's why I even said last week that I think Michael Gallup could be better than Amari Cooper because Michael Gallup gives you that upside where he's that he's that downfield threat that for whatever reason Dak has just not been able to hit all year, and he finally hit him. And, I mean, that was another big part of this game, making that big play. But hats off to the Cowboys. You know, I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought the Seahawks would be able to win. But, I mean, they pulled one out. You know, we'll see how they go the rest of the season. Uh, as far as it goes. So, uh, but moving on, Chargers at the Ravens, 23-17. Um, Chargers should have won this game by, I don't know, 35 points. Uh, all the turnovers early, all the opportunities the Chargers have, and they really didn't put up shit for offense. You know, Ravens' defense still held up incredibly well and even gave, you know, the Ra- gave them a chance to win the game at the end. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing, the only reason why the Chargers really won this game is because their defense and Lamar just kind of had the yips. And Lamar was all over the place, couldn't even done for three quarters. And uh, Melvin Ingram and the Chargers defense was just out of its mind. Seven sacks for 55 yards loss, you know, a couple fumbles. They they just dominated this game. And, you know, the Chargers were able to hold on the ball longer, which is kind of surprising with how little uh, offensive efficiency they had. You know, they're one for three in the red zone. But, you know, this Chargers defense and cats off the Gus Badley were, you know, running seven DBs out there actually worked against this team and using Derwin James, using Adai and using Phillips the right way and also putting Bosa on the inside, moving Ingram around. You know, they basically put Ingram over their worst, um, the worst blocker every time and really reading the O-line, knowing what they're going to do. I mean, it's incredible defensive coaching and it's what won them the game and the Chargers kind of turned it on there and did their homework. You know, but the biggest problem for the Ravens really was, you know, Lamar got better. And I I, I know some people said put Flacco in at the end because Magic Flacco and his playoff runs and all of that. But it's like Flacco, I mean, he's got he wears cement shoes. You think he him behind that crap, that old line that was getting the shit kicked out of it was going to do any better. And don't forget, Flacco went four and five. Like we saw that. I, we read that book already. We know we watched that movie. We know what happens. Um, Lamar got you there. Lamar's your future. I think it was smart for him to ride with him, and he got even a little bit of momentum at the end there and got him within one score, which I think is good for him. So I think that was the right move. And you can tell it's just he just, you know, he got the yips. You know, this happens. Most most guys in their first playoff game lose. That's pretty normal. Um, you know, the biggest thing for the Ravens is they really need to get a better O-line and better pass rush. You know, their offensive line is okay but not great. You know, Yonda's pretty old. Stanley is getting there. Orlando Brown Jr. is okay. Well, I guess Stanley's pretty young, but he's not, like, amazing. Um, Their pass rush is just old. I mean, still got T. Suggs out there. You know, they need a little bit more fresh blood there. Brandon Williams is good. Tyus Bowers, Bowser's good. You know, they got some guys there, but I think they just, need to, they just need to build up that strength and get a little bit younger at that position. And, you know, hopefully they re-sign John Harbaugh. That seems to be all kind of up in the air right now, but... 
And it seems like the Ravens will kind of come on unscathed with their coaching. You know, Wink Martindale, for whatever reason, isn't getting any head coaching offers, which I think is strange. But it seems like everybody wants to hire offensive coaches. We'll get into that on a different episode when Clifford comes back. But, um, but yeah, and it'll, it'll be see, interesting to see what happens with Ravens now that Ozzie Newsom's stepping down, Eric Tacosta's taking arrow over, you know, what direction he goes in, if he's going to do all the stuff that Ozzie's always done, or is he going to kind of take this team in a different way? So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, and, yeah, so moving on, Eagles ice to Bears, 16-15, to 15, the double-doink game. Big Dick Nick pulls one out of his pants again, throwing the go-ahead touchdown on the goal line. Interesting thing about that play, it's the same play that the Falcons ran against the Eagles in the playoffs last year where uh, Julio Jones fell down and didn't catch it. Same as that play. It's kind of nuts that that stuff happens sometimes. Um, but this game was kind of weird. Uh, I mean, I just feel like, you know, the Bears defense did play well. You know, they, they kept them in this game. But, you know, this Bears defense was designed for, you know, the goal-to-goal situation. It's fourth and goal. You got to make a stop. This is the defense you would want. And they didn't do it because it's very interesting of the guy who gave up touchdown was McManus, who is the replacement for the injured Bryce Callahan, which is just kind of going to prove my point of how how minute the difference is from being a really, really good defense to an elite transcendent defense. And, you know, just that one injury affected the course of this game. And that's just kind of how, like, that's just going to prove my point with how razor thin the difference of success can be in the NFL with your defense is that this defense is not going to be like this next year. It's going to probably be good. It's not going to be as good as it was this year, which is a bummer. You know, this is cool to see. But I think, like, Adrian Amos is a free agent, I believe. Bryce Callahan's a free agent. Um, oh God, I had to look through it. They have a couple guys, but that's all it takes. And if you miss on a few draft picks, you know, next thing you know, you got a couple holes where you didn't have them before. Um, but, you know, that is what it is. Also, another problem with this game is Trubisky the Yips. You know, it's kind of a interesting through line with these uh, with the playoff series. All these young quarterbacks, you know, when they get in the big stage, it's a little bit harder for him. He didn't really settle into late in the game. He almost threw four picks, like some pretty close ones. Uh, but he made some big boy throws near the end and gave him a chance to win, you know. But I think a big problem with this game also is Matt Nagy did the classic Andy Reid thing where he didn't take the, t- the timeouts at the right time. Basically gave up 40 seconds. Uh, if they would have an extra 40 seconds, they probably could have got the ball closer. So, I mean, just some bad mismanagement by the Bears, which kind of sucks for them because, you know, you don't know when you're going to get back to this point. And it, it might be a very long time where you feel like you have as good of a team as they do right now, which sounds crazy to say. Because what if Trubisky doesn't take a step forward? What if the defense slides back? What if, you know, I don't know, Allen Robertson gets hurt for the season again? That's happened before. He's not exactly a super healthy guy. He's only had, like, one really good season. It doesn't take much for you to fall. I mean, look at the Packers. We thought the Packers would still be there, and the past two years they haven't been there. So it's just interesting to think about. Uh, I mean, looking at, you know, how the uh, how the Eagles won this game is they had better third-down efficiency. They are almost 50%, which is pretty damn good. And they were 2-for-3 in the red zone while the Bears were 0-for-3. And, I mean, that's really one of the main things that came. In, in the playoffs, you have to commit, commit ah, convert third downs. And you got to convert in the red zone. You have to be efficient. If you don't do that, I mean, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. And, I mean, the Eagles didn't by any means win-win this game. They go out and win it. 
you know, I feel like the Bears just kind of lost it, which is a bummer. You know, it would have been fun to see this Bears team continue on. But, yeah, I mean, watch out for the Eagles, man. Watch out, Saints. <laughs> so, um, looking at the games coming up next week. Uh, first one I want to kind of talk about is that Eagles Saints game. I don't think it's the first game of the weekend. No, well, I'll talk about I'll talk about Colts Chiefs first. Um, I feel like the Colts are getting a lot of love, even though I'm a big time Colts guy. You know, let's not forget the Chiefs are the best offense in the NFL. Um, I trust. I don't know. I just think I just think they're going to put up a lot of points. You know, I could see a lot of back and forth. Uh, hopefully, Patrick Mahomes doesn't shit his pants like the rest of these guys did in his first playoff game. We'll see. Uh. But, yeah, uh, that Chiefs defense, though, does scare the shit out of me. That would be the thing that I'm worried about the most. I mean, the over-under set at 57, which is pretty high. Uh, yeah, I just, I just I want to take the Colts. I want to believe the Colts can win this game. But also, it's like, am I really going to doubt a 12-4 and Chiefs team that was electric this year and just lighten everybody up? But I, I think that matchup is very interesting where you have a cover two defense that doesn't give up the big play. You know, that's what they try to prevent. They'll, they'll they're very good at that, and um, you know, going against offense that basically lives off the big play, and then um, the Chiefs and Indianapolis's offense, which is short passing game and running the ball and controlling the ball against one of the worst running defenses, well, the worst running defense in the NFL. So it 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 seems like it could play into Indy's hands where they keep the ball for a long time, they keep running it down their throat, Marlon Mack gets going keep Patrick Mahomes off the off the field and then as long as you make one or two stops against the Mahomes, you know, you could probably just keep running off the clock and scoring touchdowns. So that'd be my worry if I was the Chiefs, you know, Bob Sutton, he's always kind of played defense, you know, his his coordinated defense has always kind of given up the in between the twenties. This is kind of always always you know, this is the way to do it and then they try to button down the red zone. But I just feel like he doesn't got the horses in this game. He really needs uh Eric Berry to play well. And Eric Berry's been coming off the Achilles, and hopefully he can play well in this game and play full minutes, but we'll see. Moving on then, the Saturday night game, Cowboys against the Rams. This is another interesting matchup game. You know, the Cowboys kind of want to do the same thing that the Colts want to do. They want to run the clock. You know, they want to run it down their throat, control the ball, and then only let their have their defense play for so long. They also play a very similar scheme. They play a lot of zone. Uh, they don't try to give it the big play. You know, Byron Jones will probably be matched up with. Oh, I wonder if he'll probably be matched up with. Uh, oh, I don't know. Actually, he might be matched up with with uh, with Robert Woods or Brandon Cooks. I couldn't. I could be for sure. But um, the really the big matchups gonna be Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith trying to slow down Gurley because the 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 play uh, the Cowboys are terrible play, uh, play action defense. They're really bad against it, and that's what the Rams run more than anybody else. So I, I trust the Rams this game. I've never really been a big Cowboys believer. The spread is seven, which I think is big. I'd probably still take the Cowboys with the spread, but I, I just it, it, you know if I'm a bet man, I'm probably going to bet the Rams money line, even though it's going to be like minus two hundred or some shit. I just trust the Rams to get it done. You know it's going to be hard. You know which it's, the biggest thing is a play action game where you saw in that Seahawks game, Seahawks whenever they ran a play action pass it was like a huge gainer. So I just feel like I just feel like the Rams are better than anybody else doing that. They get a couple big plays. I don't think that Dak and the Cowboys can keep up if they're in like a 14-point hole. So, and then moving on to the noon game on Sunday, Chargers-Patriots. This is probably one I'm mostly interested in. Uh, This is like the 2007 rematch. I love the Chargers, and I hate the Patriots. Um, But I'd be nervous on the Chargers because you should have put up way more points against the Ravens. Ravens defense, I understand, is very good, but they gave you all those opportunities and you did nothing with them. 
you know, Philip Rivers was good, but he wasn't great in that game. Their wide receivers weren't having a hard time kind of getting separation, getting open. Wink was able to do some damage against them, and Bill Belichick, who is the best defensive coordinator of all time, I'm sure he's going to have a great game plan against them. So they got to be prepared, and Anthony Lynn, you know, find a team back from Baltimore to L.A. and back to Boston all, all within two weeks, you know, that can kind of affect these West Coast teams. I, I would just be nervous. I just don't think, though, the Patriots got the horses anymore. I said it early in the year. I don't think they can win the Super Bowl this year. They, their offensive, I mean, they lost Josh Gordon. Gronk is a shell of himself. Edelman seems to be a little bit slower. Chris Hogan is really just a lacrosse player. Philip Dossett is a Colts cast off, which is saying a lot. And Cordero Patterson is, you know, a kick returner that sometimes can catch passes. So, <laughs> you know, but they got touchdown Tommy and they got Bill Belichick. So, you know, that's the thing I'd be worried about if I'm the Chargers. I'm never going to count out Tom Brady, even if he's 55 years old. And I'm never going to count out Bill Belichick if he's, you know, co- coaching a bunch of kindergartners. So, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully Anthony Lynn plays, you know, coaches well. Doesn't get out coached here. And the Chargers have massively superior talent. It should win this game. The only thing that made me doubt is it's the Patriots. And you never know. This Patriots, you know, they just won't die. So, but the spread is Patriots by four, which I think is a fair one. I probably, you know, I still think the Chargers have some value at plus four. I think they're, you know, cause the East Coast thing, maybe that's why they're only giving them, why they're giving them four points. So I would take the Chargers in this game. And then moving on to the last game of the weekend, Eagles at Saints. Saints are eight-point favorites. Saints have not played well going in the end of the end of the regular season. Uh, they basically had a two-week bye because week 17 they didn't play any of their starters. Um... I guess I'd just be kind of concerned about what I, I, I want to check with Toronto. I think Toronto Arpstead's good to go in this game, which is a big deal for them. They really need him to get to get, make this offense go, but because they need their off, they need the protection up front because then they can take advantage of the poor secondary play that the Eagles have. And if they can do that, they'll win this game. And I'm pretty confident the Saints win this. I don't know. I'd probably just take their money line again if I'm betting it. You know, but you're always afraid of cover, especially in these tight playoff games. They all seem to be pretty tight. I think eight points is a lot in any playoff game. And also, the Eagles just have this weird underdog mojo where they at least keep it close or win it. I mean, if Nick Foles wins this game and he's in the NFC Championship game, it's going to be fucking terrifying. So, you know, and the Eagles, you know, they're going to try to play their strengths where they run the ball, they, you know, short passing game, they try to control the clock, convert a lot of third downs, be efficient in the red zone, and then they just use their pass rush when they have a lead, which they got tons of pass rushers still. You know, they may have lost Vinny Curry, but they still got Jernigan. They got Martel. They got uh, Bennett. They got, oh, God, can I not remember anybody's name anymore? I feel like an idiot. Uh, but, yeah, they have all those pass rushers still, and that's the strength of their defense. And they have some decent linebackers, and they still got, um, my God, can I not remember any fucking names today? I feel like such an idiot. Oh, God, what's the safety's name? Oh, I'm going to hate myself for this so much. Why am I not prepared? I am not prepared. My lord. Bad radio. Bad radio. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty fun weekend coming up. Blah, 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 blah. Ah, Malcolm Jennings. That's what I'm looking for. You know, Malcolm Jennings is on the back end. He's probably their best secondary player. I mean, their, their corners are Maddox right now. And who else do they got playing? Sullivan? No, that's their safety. Uh, Craven LeBlanc. So, a couple of cast-offs. You know, guy's been on multiple teams. I, mean, well, I think Maddox has only been on the Eagles. Um, 
But, you know, Saints will be able to take advantage of that. I still trust Drew Brees. He's still been really good this season. Michael Thomas good after it. Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. Hopefully they can get Traquan Smith going in this game. Uh, I think the Saints win, but I don't know about covering. So, yeah, I don't really like picking these games that much. They're always so close. I'd probably once again bet Saints money line, even if it's a little bit of money, but I'd rather win money than to lose money. So, there you go. All right, so that was pretty rough. <laughs> Hopefully we can get Clifford back next weekend, next week. Uh, this is only 24 minutes. This is a shorter one. Um, and coaching hires, I'm not going to make any comments on them yet. I know the Packers hired Matt, Matt LaFleur. Uh, Arizona just hired King, Cliff Kingsbury. It looks like Bucks are going to hire uh, Bruce Arians. So I'm kind of going to do deep dives, especially on Matt LaFleur. Me and Clifford will talk about that coming up. So, yeah. Uh, but go listen to uh, Tuesday Ketchup. And Nick at Night, all part of the Gravy Train Productions family. Uh, I think Tuesday Catch is going to have t-shirts pretty soon. And uh, we're going to be redoing the website, gravy-productions.com. Gravy-train-productions.com. Jesus Christ, I always forget that one. So go check all that stuff out. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Cliff will be back next week, so it won't be so boring and weird. So, (laughs) All right, thanks. Bye.